Hey, this is What A Killer Podcast. I'm your host, Nancy. Thanks so much for joining, for listening, for all the follows, um, all the support. It's been awesome. Um, again, if you haven't already, please go to What A Killer Podcast on Facebook or Instagram. Follow along, join in some conversation. I'd like to kind of get it going a bit on there. Um, also, I do have a Patreon. It is What A Killer Podcast. I was thinking because all this crazy true crime coming out lately that me and my friend were talking about, you know, me and her just talk all the time, nonstop about true crime and all the updates and like calling each other all day, every day about it. So I was thinking of doing kind of like not a news show, but once a week, just going on talking about what's new, giving some opinions and thoughts and things like that. Uh, but just having some guests on, like asking my friends to join in here and there, uh, things like that. So let me know if that would be something you'd be interested in. Again, that would be Patreon episode. So you would have to subscribe. Yeah. I thought, uh, something like that would be kind of fun. <laughs> All right. So also, as I stated, it is spooky month. So I wanted to do some cases revolving around Halloween or horror movies. Uh, so, as you can see from the title, if you've seen it already, this case is The Scream Killers. Uh, yeah, so if you've heard of it, cool. If not, I hope I can kind of give something to you here and yeah. <laughs> All right, let's just get it going. Uh, my cat's being real silly and throwing me off here. So <laughs> he's a bangle. He talks a lot. So you may hear him often. <laughs> All right. So let's start off. So Frank and Allison and their three children moved to Bannock County in Idaho in 2005 into a 1600 square foot home. It was on two acres of fenced in pastures. This house was their dream home. They were so in love with it. Unfortunately, that love would only last for about a year. And then, uh, as Frank stated in an interview, it turned into their complete nightmare. Like, their whole world changes and goes upside down. So, on September 22nd, 2006, the family were going away for the weekend. So, they asked their 16-year-old niece, Cassie Jo Stodart, to house sit and take care of their pets. They had three cats and two dogs. So they returned on the Sunday, had a good weekend. It's now September 24th. The couple arrive uh, with their kids and their 13-year-old daughter walked into the living room and got the most gruesome discovery ever. She saw her 16-year-old cousin Cassie stabbed approximately 30 times, which an autopsy will show us later that 12 of those were actually fatal. So the investigation immediately concluded that she had been killed on the Friday. So with all the evidence and the autopsy and everything, they just knew she had been dead for a couple days. So now it was time to find out, you know, who this girl was, um, like, what the hell happened on Friday? You know, who was she with? So, Cassie, as I stated, 16 years old, born on December 21st, 1989, to her mother, Anna. I 
didn't see anything really about her dad. It's usually always her mom that you see everything about. So let's just stick to that. Uh, she also had two siblings, an older sister and a younger brother. Now, her and her brother were extremely close. They were only 18 months apart. So, you know, they hung out at a lot of the same places, maybe had some of the same friends. Uh, she is remembered as being very kind, ambitious, smart, and so quick to make friends. They also said that she loved art and she was, like, amazing at it. So, on September 22nd, Anna, uh, which is Cassie's mom, picked her up and her boyfriend, Matt, from school, dropped them off at the house. Again, like I said, she was house-sitting. So, Matt said he would join her for a while, you know, she wasn't there alone. Uh, previously, she had invited a friend, Tori, to come by also. They were just hanging out at school and she's like, hey, you know, I'm house-sitting, so why don't you just come by? Bring a friend or something if you want. Apparently, Tori was kind of being like, oh, we're going to have a party. And they were like, no, no one mentioned a party. No one else is really invited. So they go uh, around 630. He takes his friend Brian with him. So they go. They watch Kill Bill 2, Volume 2. And around 930, Brian's like, oh, shit, like I'm supposed to be home now. So we better get going. They get up and they get ready to leave because they're like, oh, well, we were expecting this to be a party and it's not. So anyways, so now it was just Cassie and Matt. Not long after the boys left, they started kind of hearing a few noises. It was enough that the dog started like growling and stuff around the basement door. But they didn't really pay too much attention to it. You know, it's kind of a creaky house, like they don't really know it. So they just... Kind of ignored it. But then the power went out. So Cassie got a little freaked out by that, you know. So Matt called his mom to see if he could spend the night with Cassie. Because he's like, I don't want to leave her alone. Like, can I just stay here? Because, you know, the power went out. She's a little freaked out. And his mom was like, no, no, I have a surprise for you. Like, you have to come home. So the surprise ends up being that his dad was home for the weekend and him and his dad are very close. So she's like, no, no, you got to come home. She's like, but Hey, like if Cassie's really scared or whatever, she can come to our house and like sleep on the couch. That's fine. Also, you know, they are teenagers. So even in the interview, Matt's mom is like, even if his dad wasn't here, I wouldn't let him stay there. Like they're kids. <laughs> they're not spending the night together without adult supervision. Um, so Cassie was like, no, like I can, I have to take the dogs out in the morning. I can't leave them. This is why I'm here. So she refused to go. She didn't want to go again. She's a responsible girl for 16. She was very, very responsible. She knew that she had agreed to that and that was her job. And yeah, even though she was scared, this girl stayed there. Like it kills me that this happened to her. So Matt called Tori just to be like, hey, like my mom's picking me up. I'm not staying the night now. Now he later states when questioned by the police that Tori was like whispering at the time and said he was at the movie theater. That's why he was whispering. That'll come up later. That's why I'm just suggesting it. So around 10 30, 11 o'clock, um, Tori's mom and dad come and pick him up. It was now at this time that the police 
po police, <laughs> that the police believe she was attacked and killed. So the next day, her boyfriend, Matt, tries to call her multiple times. He's calling her all day. He started to get kind of worried because they've been together for five months now. And he said they've never, ever spent a day where they didn't talk. Like, he's heard from her every single day. His mom was working, so he couldn't get a drive out to check on her. He then called Anna, Cassie's mom, to see if she maybe went home because she was scared or whatever. And her mom was like, no, I've been trying to call her too. And I'm kind of pissed off because she was supposed to be calling and checking in with me all the time. She's like, she's probably out walking the dog or, you know, who knows. So no one checked on her. No one went over. So around 7 p.m., Tori came and picked up Matt because they were going to go stay at Tori's house for the night. At this point, he was asking Tori, like, can you take me over? And he's like, oh, I can't. I don't have gas. I don't have any gas in my car. I can't make it out there. So he took Tori's phone a few times, tried calling Cassie as well. Like, he was trying. And that's what's frustrating because later you'll see people, um, people will cut him down a lot for everything. But he called her that day more than anyone trying to get in touch with her. And he did try to go see her. I mean, his mom wasn't home. He doesn't have a car. Tori didn't have gas. Like, he called her mom. Everything, right? So, for, their for the police, obviously, their first suspect is going to be the boyfriend. It always is. And he's also, in this case, the last person to be with her that they know of. So, they have an interview with him, and he cooperated. You know, he said what happened, everything. He, they were still suspicious, obviously. So he passed the lie detector on day two, completely passed it. He went in for multiple interviews. He was willing, told his story. Nothing ever changed. Now, sorry, my cat knocked something over. I am back. He got up in my bookshelf and knocked over some books. <laughs> told you, man, he's a Bengal, so he likes to get all up in everything. <laughs> um, all right. So at this point, small towns, well, kind of small town, you know, the community is just ripping him apart, like saying everything is him. Uh, it was just a giant rumor mill, right? People were like, Oh my God, look at him. He's not even crying. He doesn't even look emotional. He went to school on the Monday and like people were just being awful to him. They're like, Oh my God, he obviously killed her. Look at him. Like, He's smirking and laughing and being normal. Listen, he's a teenager. People can act differently in situations when they're under pressure. Like, my God, if I get up and do a presentation in front of people, I giggle the entire time. Can't help it. So, you know, it happens. So rightfully so, though, the police were obviously suspicious. But he was quickly ruled out after, like I said, he did the lie detector, everything. During the interview, he did tell him about, you know, the two boys who came over and they were really close friends with Cassie. They're actually, they were Cassie's friends, not really Matt's. Uh, they, yeah, they even both had crushes on her at one point. So this kind of red flag in for the detectives. So now they're like, okay, let's, let's go talk to these kids. So now they have two more possible sub suspects they start zeroing in on. One is Tori Adamchek. And the other is Brian Draper. They are both 16 in Cassie's class. Like I said, they were friends with her. 
Now, they were obsessed with horror movies and serial killers. Uh, in one interview I saw, I guess Brian was talking about, you know, he was obsessed with Columbine at the time. Like, just obsessed with the whole idea. And Tori was actually the one who was, like, obsessed with horror movies. Like, the Scream movies, all that kind of stuff. So they got along. They clicked pretty quickly. Um, actually, when all this happened, they had only met about 16, six weeks, 16. They'd only met about six weeks prior. So they weren't really close friends for very long. Uh, they also... Brian would carry around a camera and like film a lot of the stuff. I have a lot of the the stuff from the videos or like just recorded from it. I'll play it throughout. Um, so you'll kind of hear what they were talking about. <laughs> so the first interview with Tori, he said they went there that night after being told it would be a party. They were disappointed so they didn't stay. Instead, they went to see a movie. It was called Pulse. Brian spent the night at his house. Now, Brian's first interview, he basically said the same thing. Except the problem is, neither of the boys could give a plot to the movie. When they were asked about the movie, like what happened in it, who the characters are, they had zero idea. I'm sorry, but if you're going to the movies, you pick up on some fucking part of the movie. So now they're like, okay, hey, this is weird. There's something definitely suspicious here. So now they're narrowing in on these two. They have another interview with Brian. This time they completely dismantled his whole movie alibi. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a lie. During this time, we're actually breaking into cars. That was also false. They search Brian's room at this point. They find a knife sheath. No knife or anything. But now by the third interview, he completely folded and they arrested him. So his story, now of course he's going to, the first time he's going to put the blame on Tori. And likewise, Tori will eventually do the same because, you know, they completely just threw each other under the bus. <laughs> tried to push blame at each other. So before leaving the house the night, Brian said he went down to the basement door and unlocked it so they could re-enter later. So he does admit that he was the one who did this, who unlocked the door so they could re-enter. That'll come up a bit later as well. Uh, they then drove down the street pretending to leave. They put on black clothes, a mask, gloves. They grabbed some knives. Then they went into the basement and started making a little noise. At this point, they said they were planning to scare them. And really, though, they were planning to kill both Cassie and Matt. The noise didn't work. They cut off the power, flicking it on. They flicked it off, hoping, you know, they would come down, investigate, and they could attack and do something. But then Matt left. <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, fuck. Now we just have Cassie, but that's great because now she's alone. So Brian, of course, said Tori began to stab her and then forced him to. He said, oh, yeah, I, I, had, I stabbed her like four times because Tori made me. Uh... And, of course, later this will turn the other way and Tori will admit to, oh, yeah, I was there, but, you know, Brian did everything. So, again, they try to put the blame on each other. You both were fucking planning this and wanted to do it, so you're equally as guilty. Now, we do know both did stab her, though, because there were two different knives used. 
and both of them were the ones that caused potentially the ones that killed her, like the fatal stab wounds. Both knives were used for that, so. Uh, each of the kids, oh, not kids. You can kill someone, you're not a kid. So each of those guys um, were also trying to stay, say that, oh, I... We thought it was just a joke. We didn't know it, stabbing or killing was actually going to happen. Like, we talked about it, but didn't think it was going to really happen. Thought it was just a prank. Like, come on. You'll see. I'm going to play the videos and you're going to be like, nope. They fucking went to go and kill her. Kill her. <laughs> there's no, there's no arguing it. <laughs> so the problem is, or well, for us, it's actually great. Brian told the police where they buried and burned the evidence. So this really put the final nail in their coffin because their attempt at burning the evidence failed miserably, which again is great for us, shitty for them. What they recovered were matches, black boots, blue rubber gloves, fiberglass gloves, hydrogen peroxide bottle, a mask, a large dagger, a knife with Sloan written inside, a small dagger, a Sony videotape, a serrated folding knife with Cassie's blood on it, a black glove, pair of black Puma gloves soaked in Cassie's blood, a blue garbage bag, a black long sleeve dress shirt, a Kelvin Klein dress shirt, uh, again with Cassie's blood on it, a sock, and a piece of black cord. So, some random things. <laughs> They, I'll post those pictures actually so you can see the mask and stuff they wore. Like I said, they were trying to be kind of like the scream killers, uh, the, you know, the movie. So now they find out this was very premeditated. Because not only do they have this video, which I'm going to play for you, and you're going to be like, holy fuck, these kids were really planning it. But they find out on August 31st, Tori and Brian actually got an 18-year-old man named Joe to go to a local pawn shop with them so they can buy some knives. Yep, because they're not old enough. Brian paid $40 for the knives. They also found a death list. <laughs> and were plan so their whole plan was to kill multiple people. Actually, in one of the videos, you can barely hear it. But they basically say like, Oh, we... Uh, I think the end, if we can kill like 10, 20 people would be great. Oh, maybe we should do something like Columbine. Maybe at the end we'll kill a bunch of people and then maybe we can do like a school shooting and we'll try to kill as many as we can, try to get like 20 in at once and then we'll just kill each other. And in the video they're like holding their hands to each other's heads like we'll just shoot each other at the same time, like count, count to two. Like I'm telling you, this, this is fucking nuts. So I will post the videos too if you do want to go watch them. I'll post some clips of the, obviously, the recording. But yeah. So on the first recording. Oh, so before I get into that. So the video tapes are terrifying. Like I said, they address killing people so casually. Like they're so obsessed about it. So excited. Uh, yeah. So the first clip is of the night before on September 21st. Where they are hoping to murder someone else. We're going for a high death count. We're not going not to get caught, Ryan. If we're going for guns, we're just going to end it. We're just going to uh, grab the guns and get out of there and kill everybody in the lane. We're going to make history. We're going to make history. 
So now they're back into the car, same night. Now they're going to talk about what their new plan is. Yep, take it all in, folks. <laughs> um, my friend's too pussy to go investigate. Turn here. Why are you turning there, dude? Okay. Now we're going to go over to Cassie and Matt's house. If they're home alone, we're going to... Cassie's house, Matt, is there. Matt is there, sorry. We're going to go... We're going to knock on the door. We'll 
see who's there. We'll see, see, we'll see if the parents are all right. If they're home alone, we will leave our way and then we will come back in about 10 minutes. We'll sneak in through the door because chances are they're probably in Cassie's room. So we'll sneak in the front door, we'll make a noise outside. is going to be Cassie's daughter and her God, friends. turn your brights off, asshole. We'll, we'll find out if she has friends over. She's going to be alone in a big, dark house out in the middle of nowhere. How perfect can you get? Like, I mean, like, holy shit, dude. I'm horny just thinking about it. Hell yeah. So we're going to fucking kill her and her friends, and we're going to keep moving on. I heard some news about Kirsten. She's going to be home alone from 6 to 7. So we might kill her and drive over to Cassie's thing and scare the shit out of them and kill them one by fucking one. Hell yeah. Why one by one? Why can't it be a slaughterhouse? Two by two and three by three? Because we got to keep it classy. So yeah. Classy. It's going to be extra fun. You're evil. <laughs> yes, I am. No, evil is an expression of God. That was another test you felt. Evil is not an expression of God. Yes, it is. It's bullshit. You know it. Evil of origin is a follower of fucking Satan. There is no Satan. Real? Then shut yeah. up. Then how are we supposed to express ourselves? Good and bad. We're, we're bad. We are bad. That sounds so shitty. We're evil. That sounds hey. even shittier. We're not, okay? They were sick psychopaths that had the pleasure of killing other people. That sounds good, baby. We're going to go down in history. Bad. We're going to be just like Scream, except real life terms. That we're going to be murderers. Like, let's see, Ted Bundy. Like the Hillside Strangler. No. The Zodiac Killer. Those people are more amateurs compared to what we're going to be. We're going to be more of higher sources of Ed Gold. Gene. Gene. <laughs> <laughs> well, except for that sick of <laughs> Oh, do you know what Ed Gene's words were? What? Saw a girl walking down the street, right? Yeah. Two questions came to his head. Hmm, I could take her out, have a nice time with her. The killer. <laughs> and show her a good time, charm the pants off her, or... I wonder what her head would look like on a stick. Holy <laughs> <Holy> shit. That's <laughs> creepy, <Yes>. huh? <laughs> Holy shit. Murder is power. Murder is freedom. All right. It's fucking crazy, right? Just listening to their thoughts on everything is wild. So now we come to the day of. This one's just really short. Just a little. You can barely even hear it. Um, I just, I don't know. I just find it like heart-wrenching. Uh, it's a quick little few seconds. It's just Brian going around in the hallways at school and he actually sees Cassie at her locker in the hallway. He walks up to her and says hi to her and you can hear her saying hi and stuff in the video. And she's like smiling at him and stuff and just knowing that he's looking at her and talking to her. But in his head, he's like, this is your last day. Like <laughs> you're, you're we're killing you tonight. Like in his head, he knows that 
it's fucked. Hey, look, it's Cassie. Hey, look, Hello, Cassie. <laughs> I'm getting you on tape, okay? Say hi, please. Okay, see ya. Wait. Have you seen Tori? He's supposed to meet me here at 7.30, and it's 8.19. He's an hour late. You don't even care, dude. <laughs> okay. See ya. Now, for this one, so there was a very long video of them, I like I just mentioned briefly, um, where they're talking about Columbine and everything. This is in this part of the video. So I'll kind of explain what's going on. They're sitting at, in school, at like lunchtime. They're sitting at a desk, kind of whispering to each other. So there's a lot of background noise. It's really, really hard to hear. Like I was listening to it, like straining to hear it. And also, you know, I had some of the words where you can kind of read along a little bit, but there's no way I can put it on here. I don't have that kind of abilities. <laughs> My editing abilities are limited. Lucky I can do this. Listen, I'm coming. I'm coming a long way here. <laughs> I have a microphone now. <laughs> so, um, which I hope it sounds great, guys. I really do. I hope it's better. Um, so because it's so loud and, you know, every now and then like a random person comes by, it's real weird. So I have a few pieces from the transcript. Here's just a few things from it. Again, this is like lunchtime now. It starts off with Brian saying, we're skipping our fourth class. We're writing our plan right now for tonight. It's going to be cool. And Tori's like, we, Tori and Brian are making our deathless right now for actually tonight. And Brian's like, if you're watching this, we're probably already deceased. Hopefully this will go smoothly and we can get our first kill done and keep going. Like I told you, these people, they wanted to do more. They were not happy that this is over and won. If they weren't caught, they probably would have continued. And you'll see why like their reaction after the murder you're going to be like, yeah, they, they would have went on a rampage. That would have been their life, just out trying to murder people. So then Tori says, for all you future serial killers watching this tape, and then they're both like laughing, and then they're both like, oh, good luck, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> Tori then says, hopefully you don't have like eight or nine failures like we have. To which Brian replies, yeah, we've probably tried maybe like 10 times, but they've never been home alone. And then Tori jumps in, or they have, but then their parents showed up. So they're basically telling us now that eight or nine times, ten times, they have gone to a house with the purpose of killing one of their friends. But it turns out they weren't alone, or their parents, like, show up. Yeah, so crazy. So then Brian says, as long as you're patient, you know. Sorry, my cat's really on something tonight. He's ripping my whole desk apart over there. <laughs> so then Brian says, as long as you're patient, you know, and we're patient. And now we're getting paid off because our victim's home alone. So we got our plan all worked out now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Cassie's family. But she just has to be the one. We have to stick with our plan and she's perfect. She's going to die. And then they laugh. So... 
Premeditation, folks. You can't tell me that only one of them killed her. <sighs> so, next video I'm going to play is literally right before the murder. Right before they go in the house. We're here in his car. The time is 9.50, September 22nd, 2006. Um, unfortunately, we have the grueling task of killing our two friends. And they are right in a house just down the street. We just talked to them. We were there for an hour. But we checked out the whole house. We know there's lots of doors. There, there's lots of places to hide. Um, I locked the back doors. That's all I locked. Now we just gotta wait. And uh, yeah, we're we're really nervous right now. But you know, we're ready. We're listening to the greatest rock band. We've waited for this for a long time. Floyd before we commit the ultimate crime of murder. We've been this for a long time. A long time. We'll stay tuned. Alright guys, so I know it's hard to hear. It's just awful knowing what they're going to go do. Um, so then this is the final recording. This is right after they kill Cassie. So this is the reaction you tell me that these boys would have just like apologized, said they're sorry, and turned themselves in and never done it again. Just killed Cassie. We just left her house. This is not a fucking joke. I'm I stabbed her in the throat. I saw her lifeless body just disappear. Dude, I just oh killed God. Cassie. Oh, oh, fuck. That felt like it wasn't real. I mean, it went by so fast. Shut the fuck up. We gotta get our act straight. It's okay. Okay. We'll, we'll start moving tickets now. Okay. Goodbye. No. Goodbye. Alright, so luckily they were, I mean, on the good part of this, I guess. There is no good part. That's awful. Um, they were both charged with first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder. They are found guilty. They were found guilty, sorry. Both serving life, life in prison without possibility of parole. They're both serving their life sentences out in Idaho State Correctional Institute. So, before I go... <laughs> Do a little update. I thought I'd give you a little bit of the story of the house. Remember the parent, the her aunt and uncle? It's real sad, guys, so buckle up. It's going to get worse. So the poor family who owned the house, you know, and trusting that it was going to be safe and secure for their niece. During the investigation, the sheriff's department, you know, had to put them up in a hotel and stuff for a few weeks for them to investigate. They, even the sheriffs, like, they're so great. They even helped pay the insurance deductible to, like, help clean up the house. As you know, that is a process you have to do when something like this happens. They put a new carpet. They painted it. However, like... It was so hard for the family to go back there. Frank said he could never go back, the uncle. He he said he could not go back in that house. It was too much sadness. And he said it was just like a feeling of emptiness in the air. So Allison, her aunt, fell into a depression, lost her job. Frank had to get a second job because, you know, they put the home on the market because it was just an awful place to be. 
after such a horrible thing happened. But no one would buy it. It wasn't selling. The 13-year-old daughter, actually, who found Cassie, she suffered a breakdown at one point in her life and attempted suicide. But apparently she is doing well now, so that part's good. Her family also said how hard um, all these appeals and stuff were, because, of course, these boys are going to be appealing. They said um, each time they tried for new trials and resentencing and stuff, it literally just brought them back into that exact moment when her body was discovered. Like, everything came back. They said it was like Groundhog Day. So, like, just imagine. It was awful for them. Um, it The pressure that all of this had on the family was so awful, and they ended up divorcing. They were never able to sell the home. Allison moved back in and she still lives there with her son. Well, I don't know. Today, there hasn't been any updates in a long time. So the family is supposedly doing a lot better, though. But, you know, they're still feeling trapped with this house. Just full of bad memories. And it's like they're just stuck with it. So some more updates. <laughs> Although, like I said, they're not super update, uh, super recent. Uh, they're still both in prison, so yay, hurrah. <laughs> there was a film made about juveniles in prison for life because they say they should get a second chance because they were so young when they committed their crime and young and just dumb, they're immature, their brains aren't formed, like all these things. So the video's on YouTube, it's called Lost for Life. So, listen, <laughs> this happens five they're in this video. It's only five years after the murder, okay? These guys are 21 years old. The way that Tori comes off. Okay, so Brian's parents talk about, like, how they struggle with it. You know, they still go visit him, talk to him and stuff. And they hope that he will get another chance. And that he'll get out someday. And because they say, you know, he's a different person. He's accepted everything. He's... He's owned up to his part in it all. And, you know, that's one of the most important things, right, is admitting your crime and coming to terms with what you've done and how you've ruined someone else's and your own life, really. And your family's. I mean, their lives are different as well. So uh, the thing with Brian, like I said, he admits it. And he's like... I think about Cassie all the time. I regret it so much. He said for the longest time he would have like nightmares and stuff about it. And now he's come to terms and he, he freely admits like, I take a huge responsibility of this. Cause number one, he's like, if I didn't unlock that basement door, this wouldn't happen. We wouldn't have got in. So he feels so much guilt about that. And you should, um, I mean, He's, he's still a murderer, guys, so don't be like, oh, yeah, Brian, good for you, you know. But he knows he should be punished. Uh, he does definitely seem more mature. He said when he first got in, some guy came to him and was like, what'd you do or something? And he's like, oh, I can't even remember, whatever, some bullshit. And he's like, no, like, you have to face what you've done. There's no forgetting it. There's no pretending you don't know, blocking things out. Like, you did this, own up to it. So, you know, when you watch the video, like, he doesn't, 
he does seem like he's in a better place and who knows, you know, and whatever. But again, this is only five years later. Like these guys are still young. They're still, like I said, they're 21. So, you know, you can't measure, you can't be like, Hey, look, he's doing great. Let him out. It's been five years. Okay. You, you took a whole person's life. You don't get to do five years for it. <laughs> so, okay. Let's talk about Tori. <laughs> this is so frustrating. I wanted to throw my fucking remote at the TV watching this. Tori's parents are delusional as shit. Like, I don't... Okay, first of all, personal opinion. Don't mean to be mean and hate on people and whatever, but holy fucking Christ. They're, like, worse than him. Well... Obviously not really. He killed someone, but like, holy shit. It's like if someone, if a kid is having a tantrum or something, you know, and the parents are just like handing him everything. That's what they're like. They're like reinforcing the behavior almost. So holy shit. Just watch the video, man. <laughs> because I'm telling you, these people are fucked. So they continue like he's not even a murderer. Like just pretending like none of this is happening. Like I don't know if in their mind he's not even in prison or something. Like they're like oh yeah we're just going to visit our son every three weeks. And then they're in there and he's there. Yeah my mom still tries to you know be like such a mom to be in parent. Like she'll make sure I'm brushing my teeth and saying this and that. And she's like yeah you know I'm just so protective over him. The fucking guy is in jail. He murdered someone. Like, <laughs> anyway. So. It, it's so frustrating. At one point. His dad. <laughs> is like. Yeah. It's so frustrating, right, Tori? Like, it's so hard because, you know, you're innocent. And even Tori's face kind of like goes like, what? <laughs> and then his mom's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're in here and going through all of this and you didn't even do it. You didn't stab her. Are these fucking people insane? Like, come on. Did you watch the goddamn video? This kid was so excited and happy. It's so irritating like how much more evidence do you want he literally was planning this murder in his videos then he's like yeah 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 we did it like what <laughs> it's bananas absolutely bananas this is like a cold-blooded killer you fucking killed someone you piece of shit and you videotape plans you lied about it. The interviews, his interviews with the police of his stories are so irritating. Because he's trying so hard to lie, but it's real bad. At one point, I was so confused. I'm like, I don't even know what's going on. I don't think anybody knows what's going on because he's taken us around so many loops and circles. Like, like, do we, like, we're on different days now. And then he's going back to different phone calls. Then they're like, we already talked about this. This is, we're talking hours late. Like, it's so frustrating. So his parents, at this point, 
are, like I said, they're just naive and like pushing this narrative of his innocence. And it's so fucking irritating. They're so upset that he is in prison. It, like, <laughs> how? Even Brian was like, this guy needs to just admit what he has done and his part in it and move on with his life instead of being worried about like his parents knowing that he's a killer and you know he needs to come to terms with what he's done. It's so frustrating listening to him. Like Brian, he's irritating too because like you know you, you fucking killed people and like we've seen your videos. I get it. You've grown up now but like have you? <laughs> but Tori is like, oh my God, like you gotta like scratch your head watching that. You're like, what is happening? So in 2015, there was a hearing because they were trying to say that Tori was given a plea deal. They, they were both offered a plea deal. They were offered like, tell us everything and whatever and admit your guilt and you'll get 30 years. That was the plea deal. Both boys turned it down. Actually, for Tori, it was like, ah, there's no way Tori is going to accept that. Because, you know, he's, he's so innocent. <laughs> he's just so innocent. So, anyways, all bullshit. They were offered the plea deal, so suck it. So, he takes the stand in his hearing. That's right. He took the fucking stand. This piece of shit has another story now. <laughs> So his story now, yeah, they were playing with the lights, trying to like joke and, you know, oh, look, let's scare them. Let's scare Cassie. And then Brian goes upstairs and they go up and he sees Cassie and Brian's trying to make him stab her and kill her. And he's like, oh, my God, no. And he goes back downstairs and runs outside and waits. And then Brian comes out later and she, Cassie's dead. I'm not even fucking... Now he wasn't even in the fucking house. <laughs> yep, he completely took himself outside that house. And then he's like, oh, in the video I was being all excited and stuff about it all and high about it. But that was all pretend. Like, I was really so upset. I just wanted to go and apologize to Cassie's parents. Not because I did anything, but just because I knew what happened to her. And I felt so bad. Because I knew and I probably could have stopped it or something because of how Brian was talking. But I thought it was just a joke. You're so fucking full of shit. You piece of shit. <laughs> I, I can't stand this guy. And almost even worse, I can't stand his parents. Listen, I understand when parents still have a relationship with their children after something like this. Because, yeah, okay, they they were young and they do need to mature. People make mistakes. I mean, it's a fucking murder. You took someone's life. That's more than a mistake. But, you know, I get it if you're still. But you got to accept what they've done and who they are. And where they are. They're in fucking prison. Like, in one interview somewhere, I couldn't find it, but I'm pretty sure this is her. If I'm wrong and someone has seen this interview and it is a different mom, you know, then just tell me because maybe I'm wrong. But in one interview, man, I, it might not be this mom, so. But 
honestly, I feel like it would be just because she's so insane. They were like, I can't even bake him cookies and bring it because he's not allowed to have cookies. So I can't even make my son cookies. Okay, cool. Do you know that Cassie's dead, right? Like her mom gets to do nothing. <laughs> so Cassie's family were pissed, obviously, about the hearing. Like they were so mad because like she said, she has to sit there listening to Tori bullshit and bullshit and bullshit all the time. And she's quoted as saying, it's just ridiculous. The parents need to get over their denial, realize Tori did it, and that he's going to spend the rest of his life in jail, and he should. They still have their son, but I have to visit my daughter in the cemetery. And that's fucking right. Like, guys, I'm telling you... <laughs> You go watch that video, you're going to like, your teeth are just going to be like grinding away watching his parents talk because they're, oh my God, brutal, brutal. So, you know, you really felt bad, Tori. You could admit what you've done, you know, actually really apologize for what you've done, feel sorry for it, even at one part. He sits there, again, in the videos that I told you about, the YouTube video. He was like 21. So this is five years after the murder. Five years. It's not a long time. He's like, oh, yeah. Even when he talks, you're like, shut up. Shut up, Tori. Shut up. <laughs> no one wants to hear you. <laughs> but he just, oh, my God. Just his voice is so irritating. He's like, yeah. So looking back. When I did that, when I was like 16, it's not even me, you know, like that's a different person. It's, I'm like, you did that. That was you. It's like, you were there. That's so crazy. And his mom's like, oh, when all this happened, when he was 16, he was still a very caring, great boy. He's the most caring boy I've ever known. Okay. Again, ma'am. He, he killed someone. Your son killed someone. <laughs> like, he's the most caring boy. Oh, yeah, so caring. So caring as he was stabbing Cassie, like, 20 times or whatever. Like, oh, yeah, you're right. Such a caring boy. <laughs> like, she's so fucking irritating, man. His parents are absolutely gross. Like, I'm sorry. Don't mean to be mean and whatever, but watch it. You will feel the same way. Just, like, accept it. Accept it. He is not the victim here. You aren't the victim. He isn't the victim. The victim's dead. And her family, like like her mom said, has to go visit her at a cemetery. A gravestone. That's what she has to go visit her daughter. So it it's just irritating. That's what I have for this episode. I'm trying to think because, man, <laughs> it's a hard one to watch. <laughs> If you do watch it, though, please give me some feedback what you think. I don't feel like I'm being too harsh. Honestly, it's just so hard to watch. <laughs> oh, he's also another thing Tori says. <sighs> me and Brian were only friends for like six weeks. You think I would like go and make a plan and kill someone after no like being friends with someone for like six weeks. Do you think I would change and do all that? Yeah, you did though. 
You did fucking do it. And we saw the videos. We heard you. You were so excited to do it. You guys had a plan. You Remember you tried 10 times, but people came home, their parents, this and that. Anyway, I'm sorry guys, getting frustrated here now, <laughs> thinking about it. Go watch it. I'll, I'm honestly going to add the link in just because you need to see the ridiculousness that I have witnessed. There is a bunch of cases in it. There's a few that have no relation, obviously, to the Scream Killers, but uh, yeah, <laughs> just enjoy it. In enjoy his parents' delusion. They live in some other realm, you know, where none of this happened, but their poor child is in prison for a crime he didn't commit, but he was there and he had videos of him planning it. Oh God. Anyway, I can't get back into this. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. So much for the support. Like I said, go follow on everything at What A Killer Podcast. Let me know if you would be interested in the Patreon subscription with just randomly talking about news. Not news. I fucking hate news, but like true crime news kind of thing, like the Delphi case and stuff. That's all big now. The Idaho murders, like all these things. Uh, Brian Koberger, which is the Idaho murder. But, you know, um, let me know. I mean, I'd also like, I don't know, have some of you guys on if you wanted to. We can just chat about things. I don't know. I thought it'd be fun. Something something interesting to do. See what kind of people we can get on, hang out with, just kind of chat. No time limit. Just sit and chat. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm hoping to have another episode out real soon in the next couple days. I'm almost on the research. I just wanted to get something out quick because spooky season. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a great time. Enjoy the day or night or whatever you're doing. It's 1am here now. I am going to go to bed. All right. Thanks so much for listening. All right. Good night. Good day. Everything. <laughs>